This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. This is Fiona. And this is Alex. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for coming How are you all? Yeah, how are you all? Let's just wait for everyone to respond. Oh, lovely. Good, good. That's good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, oh dear. Well. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. This too shall pass. (laughs) How are you, Fiona? (laughs) I'm good. We're so good. sleek, aren't we? Enjoying the sunshine. Oh, sunshine's so lovely. I'm so yes, happy. Still. And enjoying the Abbey today, particularly. Oh, it, is uh, it busy? Super busy yeah. in there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Thought it might be. But, you know, it's still lovely. The end of the day when the sunlight's coming in and you get nice light on the columns and things, there's still moments when, you know, you mid-tour and it's quite crowded and you're like, oh, watching what's going on. And then you kind of just pause and go, ah. Oh, I get to come here for work. This is my job. And you think, yeah, this is... There are lovely moments of that with guiding where you just go, oh, this is epic. Yeah. And the Abbey is one of those places. Yeah. And you, have you been been out much this week? I've not been out much this week. Um, I'm having some more more issues with wound care and chemo and stuff, so it's all a bit boring. But anyway, um, but my dad has been over this weekend installing a massive storage unit in my new house, which is really lovely. I'm very happy. So now I can store all of my super nerdy books about all of the Yay. really random bits of London that you never needed to know about. And I mean, I've got so many books. I'll never read them all. I don't know why I've got them all. I should have a cull, really. But um, but yeah, so it's re- I'm really happy. And do, I, want... do I want what? Do... Do you want... I was going to say, to, to pack up our books... Uh, we we luckily had lots of cardboard boxes from Oddbox because we were getting deliveries from them and they stopped collecting the cardboard boxes during COVID. So actually, I can tell you that we have 50 boxes of books. (gasps) (laughs) That you're giving away or that you're... you're... Oh, no. No, no. No, they're all coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have have tons and tons of books. And in fact, I've just remembered I've got another four in the cupboard that I'd forgotten about. Uh, I might need to move house. Uh. Again, I'm, right, I'm running out of wall space. I'm running out of storage space. It's ridiculous. Uh, but no, it all fit before when I had less storage. It'll be fine. But what It'll I might fine. do is I might do a cull of books. Maybe I'll give some away on my Instagram or something. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other can than I that, just say, this, this angle, uh, um, I can see Fraggle in the back. Well, I, I can see Fraggle's house in the background. Mm-hmm. I just Fraggle. wave hello. hello you can't Fraggle. actually see Fraggle because he's having a really grumpy dragon day and he's hiding down the back. But uh, that is oh. where he is. My little okay. bearded dragon Fraggle. Yes. How's he doing generally? He's all right. He's a bit, he's a bit wonk at the moment. He's, he's having a bit of a, he's been a bit of a grumpy dragon. But apart from that, 
Oh. Oh. That is all good. I took him out to the garden yesterday. He got very cross because there were loads of birds flying over. <laughs> very grumpy with me, but anyway. Right, well, this is this is epic about some waffle. I think it's the most waffle we've yes. ever done, actually. Indeed. And again, the same done. amount of slickness that uh, Emily and I achieved at the top of the show. We really should get a show starter again, shouldn't we? It was um, a major concern. <laughs> for me I thought when I when I if I'm going to join the podcast as a co-host for goodness sake I can't make it any more slick because that would change its character and luckily wow. I've contributed nothing to the slickness <laughs> the shade in that is amazing <laughs> must not make it slick well listen I think let's just power straight on into this week's episode to be honest because um uh yeah because I haven't really got any other chat at the moment and um, oh actually no I do I do you you found Sophia Dilip Singh's plaque didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. And so if you follow us on Instagram, you might already know where it is because I put up a little little film which actually might have disappeared again. So maybe I should put it back as a as a post, not a story. We put it in the highlights um, maybe. Yeah, but put it, as, yes. put it as a post. That might be nice. Yeah. Um, so she um, lives in a house. When I said, oh, it might be out the back, completely wrong. No, it's out the front. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> so it's not actually in Hampton Court Palace. It's the road immediately opposite it. So the road, if you have your back to the front gates of, back of uh, the palace and you walk straight across the road, watching for traffic, obviously, <laughs> uh, the river is on Thank your you, left. Safety lady. at all times. <laughs> <laughs> As a guide, you know. Uh, you walk past about two houses. Then there's the one where Christopher Wren lived. Then there's another house. And then there's... Sophia, so that means that those houses there must have been grace and favour, and I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that that's what they were. And I think Wren got his because he wasn't getting properly paid for St Paul's Cathedral, so oh, Queen Anne kind of gave it to him in compensation. Because I just assumed that all of the grace and favour apartments were within the grounds of the palace, but maybe those were the grounds of the palace originally. I mean, who knows? I assume they're all are they all privately owned now? Or are they still grace and favour? Very good question. Well, that that requires some Don't digging, know. doesn't it? Yeah. And and where she lived is called Faraday House and has a has a plaque for him. Well, not a plaque, but says Faraday. Oh no, mm. no, it was. It was just a stone plaque that's quite hard to read. You can't really see it in the video. Um, so um, interesting. Yeah, it, that obviously was grace and favour for a while. Well, and and when, when he lived there, I think it didn't have any electricity. Oh, epic! That's amazing. <laughs> that is brilliant. I mean, maybe it was standard. Actually, I don't know when electricity well, came probably, to yeah. domestic houses. But yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! I have one. Oh. I have one. Oh, you have one thing. Thing to say, which is that the other Friday, probably, I was sitting down on the tube uh, after work. Uh, oh, you got on. a seat. That's good. I got a seat, yeah. But as I was sitting, as I got on, lady looked at me slightly sort of curiously. And then I sat down in the seat that was next to her and she sort of turned and, and looked at me a little bit curiously. And I, I kind of looked back at her thinking, do I? And I thought she did look sort of vaguely familiar, but I couldn't. Okay. And she said, is that Fiona? And I said, yes. And she said, oh. We've we've only met once, but um, obviously now I see your face every week when I listen to the podcast. Oh, hey! <laughs> That's amazing. So, hello to Heather. Hi, um, Heather. Who, who listens on a sun on a Wednesday evening uh, regularly? She does whatever the, during the day, and then she's like, okay, and then on in the evening, then I have the podcast. Oh, and, thank you, lovely and Heather. I've, I've never emailed in, but I <laughs> no, don't need to. You just need to go on the tube. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You see us out in the wild. So there we go. <laughs> well, fantastic. Spotted. Yeah, your, 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 first, your first spot, your first pap. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Oh, well, thanks, so Heather. Lovely. Lovely, to, lovely to have you along with us. Yeah. Amazing. Well, this week, um, it's me again, because Fiona's being a lazy bones, um, <laughs> slash going out to work, whereas I'm just sitting at home with my mum. Um, and for some reason, I am in a, a, a treacherous mood. I, I'm, I'm all about the treason at the moment, because last week was treason. And when I picked this topic, um, I hadn't quite twig that this was also treason <laughs> so we're talking about more plots which is rather exciting and I, I sort of went down the uh, the route of just going this is a great story let's go for it and then as I was sort of writing up I thought actually this is, this is we've treason. got treason again so this, I don't know it's um uh what we're, we're treason tr treason June tr 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 June trees June no that just doesn't work anyway it's the treason um, season it's the treason season. That's what we like. We have got a themed month coming up uh, later in the yeah. year, actually. We've been planning, um, which you guys are going to love. We're not going to tell you what it is now, but... Um, but there but the is a reason why is we're having a treason season. There is a treason... <laughs> why? Are you planning something? It's because you keep talking about treason. That's yeah, why. fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this week, we're going for a slightly more blingy treason. So last week, it was all about the Cato Street conspiracy and um, a... I mean, I'm going to... They're slightly different traitors to the ones we've got today. They're, I'm going to call them, and I don't mean this in any bad way, more ragtag bunch last week than this this week, which is a much more kind of slick operation by a, let's say, a regular traitor. Ooh, a regular turncoat. A profesh, a profesh traitor, yeah. Oh. Um, this is almost a career for this guy. Okay. And we are heading over to the east of London. We're going to the Tower of London to find out about Colonel Blood. Ah. Now, if you've been to the Tower of London, and this is, I know for a fact, that this is one of Fiona's favourite stories. In fact, I think when we did our exams, you got this stop in the exam, didn't you? Or I at least remember you doing it on a practice one and it Ooh. was it was great. The one I remember doing in the actual exam was the Ravens. But oh, okay. we did two, probably. So it, this could have been the other one. I um, definitely heard you do it at least on a practice and yeah. thinking, oh, your stop was brilliant. But um, <laughs> it's a great story. And it's and so in order to, to tell it, I had to go and do a bit of digging into the, the background of Colonel Blood. And oh, he's interesting. Oh. He's interesting. Okay. So, uh, you know, we often talk about the story just within the, the context of the Tower of London, and we will get to that and, and how he. Um, have I said what he did yet? I don't know that no, I have. No, no. Maybe shall I shall I say or shall oh, I leave it? Save it, save it. Keep save it. On, okay. On I was gonna say, this is fabulous because I know her about him for that one reason, and I don't know much about the rest of. Mm. So I'm all ears. So we'll get to the reason why he's particularly famous in a bit and why he's linked to the Tower of London. And let me tell you, it's a great story. And it's it's a story that is... There's a hefty chunk of coincidence in there. Mm -hmm. um, and the outcome is absolutely not what you would expect the outcome to be for someone who does what he does. I'm sounding so cryptic, aren't I? Someone who does what he does <laughs> and basically commits a huge act of treason. So we'll get to that. But I want to kind of go back to, to Colonel Blood himself. And and he, even his name, Colonel Blood, he's not a colonel. He's never been a colonel. He never was a colonel. Uh -huh. He's a self-styled colonel. He's just given himself this title. And in fact, the, the highest up he ever gets in any of the mili uh, military forces he's in is um, Lieutenant, Lieutenant or lieutenant right. if you're in the US. So he never makes colonel, but he just calls himself Colonel Blood, and that's how everyone knows about him. Um, and he's, I think, one of the most audacious... I mean, I'm going to call him a villain. I'm going to call him a villain. That seems reasonable. I'm going to, I'm going to rubber stamp the villain, yeah. uh, the villain thing on him here. Uh, he's incredibly audacious. So he's uh, born in Ireland, mm -hmm. in County Meath in 1618. Now, bear in mind, this is when the English government are in charge of Ireland. So there's a lot of, you know... 
hefty stuff going on there and a lot of people you know have um, crosses to bear and and rightly so and all that kind of thing he's um he was from a very good family mm -hmm. uh they were sort of middle class upper middle class maybe his grandfather was a member of parliament oh. too so okay no yeah um so he, he's sort of allied to the english really anyway um and, and when the and is, oh, is he called blood or did he invent that yes bit as well? blood blood seems to be the actual yeah. name yeah yep. So that bit, amazingly, yeah. <laughs> it is it's the, possibly the truest bit of his entire um, his entire history. Um, when the English Civil War starts in 1642, uh, Colonel Blood, yeah, whatever yeah. you know, Jeff Blood, as we're going to call him, I don't know. Um, I don't know what his first name is. Gods. <laughs> we're just going to call him Colonel, but maybe, maybe Colonel was his first yeah, name. Anyway, let's stick with find that out. Yeah. Um, so he came over to England to fight for Charles I because, you know, his grandfather's in Parliament. He's got that link. They're clearly on the royalist side. However, this is where we see the first instance of him basically being a, a bit of a ducker and a diver and very much going where he needs to go to achieve his aims. So it's very clear that Charles I isn't going to win and he switches allegiance to Cromwell. And rather than being punished for this, he's given the post of lieutenant. Mm -hmm. um, so, like I say, Colonel, whatever, no idea. Um, and during the Civil War, he became, well, Cromwell appointed him as part of a thing that was called Commission of the Peace, which is a hilarious title, really, because actually it was um, a group of essentially spies who were responsible for all of the royalist activities that were going on. They were responsible for kind of getting stuck in there, subverting them, blowing them off course, all that kind of thing. Uh -huh. And we see Colonel Blood basically being a two-sided player. He's kind of a double agent. He, he plays both sides off against each other. And supposedly what he manages to do is to go in to intercept all these royalist, um, well, shipments of, of stuff. So it'll be weaponry, it'll be uh, money, food, whatever it might be. Yeah. And when he intercepts them, what he seems to do is to cream a profit off the top uh. before he then passes on what he claims to be the full uh, okay. intercepted loot yeah, over yeah. to his bosses. So, so double-sided yeah. and keeping... Very much out for himself yep. rather yep. than allegiance to anyone. There is a possibility that he was also a double agent. We don't quite know, but there, there's some suggestion he might have yep. been. Um, but he's definitely... Uh, sort of, I guess, positioning himself in between the two sides and upsetting whichever apple cart suits him best at the time. Okay. Really. Yeah. Is what's happening. Nice guy. Uh, nice guy. And even so, when the, when the Civil War comes to an end, um, uh, Cromwell takes over, as we know, and Cromwell in 1653 rewards him uh, quite significantly for his work, um, kind of payment for his services really during the war. He appoints him justice of the peace. Ha ha ha. Uh -huh. uh, and he also gives him a really large estate as well. So he's pretty, you know. Doing all right. He's doing all right. And as I understand it, he's then still kind of, you know, hedging his bets a little bit and wheeling and dealing. Mm. But when the restoration happens and Charles II comes back, he realises that he's been so entrenched with Cromwell that he's not going to end up particularly well with this. And he legs it back to Ireland. Okay. Um, and at this point, what happens is his estate and all the lands and stuff that he's been given by Cromwell is is seized and returned to the state. And yep. essentially what this does is this bankrupts him. Right. And his financial situation is pretty terrible. So you imagine he's gone back to Ireland. He's, as I've already mentioned, you know, Ireland is under the control of the English government at this time. And so he's probably licking his wounds quite a bit and suddenly gone, OK, I don't really like, <laughs> I don't really like them anymore. <laughs> And one of the things that um, is in place in Ireland at the time, in Dublin Castle, uh, is where the seat of the English government in Ireland was. Mm -hmm. 
so because he's kind of had this financial upheaval and everything, you know, his, his very wealthy, very secure position in England has been upended massively, he decides that he is going to see, try and seize Dublin Castle and capture the governor. Right. The governor is a guy called Lord Ormond. Okay. So... Um, this doesn't sound like a amasses... particularly rational plan. Like, things are going badly. No. I'm going to seize the government. The government. I mean, <laughs> it's audacious. I mean, it sounds... I'd say it's it's an attractive idea right now. Um, well. But no, it's it's not a... It's not a... Yeah, like you say, it's it's quite... It's quite out there, and he does get a group together, and uh, and very uh, what, what sounds very familiar is on the eve of the plot. Uh, the plot is foiled. Oh, okay, this is harking back to last week's one, where you know people are people in certain places know what's going on. All of his co-conspirators are arrested, um, and uh, some, maybe not all, were executed. But he got lucky; he managed to escape. And he, and, well, supposedly there is a story that he escaped and then very brazenly just walked through Dublin streets after having escaped. From okay. the plot, um, and wasn't seized or anything, but he legged it to Holland. Now, by this point, he's one of the most wanted men in Europe, and there's actually a price on his head uh -huh. as well. So he's got to play things a little bit carefully. But rather than sit in Holland and think, okay, you know what? Lucky escape on a couple of occasions. I'm just going to sit here, have some scold waffles, yeah. you know, buy some clogs, go cycling, nice and have a nice little life. Yeah, yeah little, little, little beer, Sean Adarsha, you know, all of that. He decides, no, I'm not going to do that. I am going to keep on doing plots. Um, you know, he's done this sort of make friends and influence people thing of making himself just a hated man. And he decides to buddy up with one of the biggest enemies of the king, who is a guy called George Villiers, the Duke of Buckingham. Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Now, there's quite a few Dukes of Buckingham throughout history, and they're all... Uh, they're, they're, I'd say, many and varied in their levels of villainy and... There's some that are good, some that are villainous, yep. uh, and this one's a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a nasty right. piece of work. So, which, um, which duke is he? Is he this? Like, there's a first duke and a second duke of Buckingham. Right. It must so be. The, I think he's the first okay. duke. I think. Would that make sense? Uh, would this would be the, would this be the same George Villiers that James the Second takes a fancy to? Or is that going to be? A, it, it'll be one or the other. It might be the son. If it's after yeah. the Commonwealth, it might be the son. I think. So I'm, I'm, I'm maybe either first or second yeah. Duke. I have to say I'm not 100% sure which anyway, number it is. Anyway, yeah. one of the yes. early ones. Yeah. One of the early ones. Um, so he makes friends with him. And of course, you know, if Buckingham being a sworn enemy of the king, this is not, you know, this already signals issues. Now, there's, um, there's a brilliant um, description of him. We love a description of yeah. somebody. And all these diarists that, you know, we, we mock quite considerably because it's like, oh, you know, all these diarists. But there is a guy who, who puts in his diary um, a description of him. And I'm going to read it to you because it's fantastic. The man had not only a daring, but a villainous, unmerciful look. A false countenance, but very well spoken and dangerously insinuating. Oh, oh dangerously oh, insinuating. Oh, Dangerously insinuating. <laughs> Just sounds like, I, I mean, don't know. It's, it's bad. Makes him sound like a massive gossip. It's bad. It's great. Apparently as well, he had one really oversized thumb. <laughs> I don't quite know what interest that is, but I found it written in a few places. And I was like, that's an interesting yeah. little note. Whether that makes you a bad villain or something. I don't know. The Roman thumb. Who knows? Anyway. So... All of this faffing around in Ireland, uh, in, in the Netherlands, and he thinks, nah, stuff it, I'm going back to England, I'm going to keep going on my little plot. So, 
He returned to England in 1670, and he... I, I love this thing. You know, you know in, Spy, uh, in not Spider-Man, Superman, yeah. um, where Clark Kent's tarting around and with glasses on, and then he takes his glasses off and nobody recognises him. This is what this feels like. He comes... Yeah, oh, oh, where's Fiona gone? Where's Fiona gone? She's taking her glasses off. Oh, there she is. She's back. Uh, so he goes... That's another, another great joke for, radio, for, for podcast, a podcast yeah. there, uh, Fiona. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so he basically comes back to England. He sets himself up in Essex, in Romford of all places, in 1670, and he changes his name to Aloff, Dr. Aloff, and he got a job as a doctor. Now, as far as I'm aware, he wasn't necessarily disguised. He's just... Or maybe, I don't know, he... Put false moustache on or put some glasses on or something but it's that I mean, classic everyone's thing wearing you know, the so you can't just wear a big wig because that, that would just look normal just wear yeah. a different wig a small wig yeah just wear a different wig so I like the thing of oh he looks like Arnold Blood but he can't possibly he's got a different yeah. suit on like that Spider-Man thing a Superman thing he's of just wearing changing his underpants over his trousers it different... can't be Colonel Blood not <laughs> 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 that I would see <laughs> did they wear they didn't wear underpants anyway Don't whatever that analogy too far I, I digress. <laughs> that, that, that brings up more images that I really am not prepared to entertain right now. So anyway, um, so while he's sitting, you know, happily in Romford, he gets back into plotting and ambushing and all that kind of thing. Now, one of his old Civil War buddies, a guy called Captain John Mason, had been arrested, um, presumably for just being on the wrong side of history. We don't really know. Um, and was under a military escort up to York. And what was probably going to happen there, that he was probably going to be tried for treason and executed. So Blood decides he's going to attack the convoy um, and he frees Captain Mason. He takes a proper wounding uh, on his arm and his face, like really uh -huh. quite bad, but they escape. Um, there's a reward put on his head and that of Captain Mason for recapture of £100, which is a pretty uh -huh. hefty sum of money. Um, but he just goes back up to Essex and that's it. They don't okay. catch him, you know. Great. So yeah. whatever. £100. Oh, well, whatever. I'm yeah. just going to go back to Essex. So um, he then decides he's going to have another go at Lord Ormond, who was the governor of, of Dublin Castle. Now, Ormond's over in England at this point. Clearly, he's taken it very personally. But there's also a chance that this is the Duke of Buckingham sort of machinating behind the scenes because Buckingham was mortal enemies of Ormond. Oh. Wouldn't you love a mortal enemy? No. Actually, I think I have one, but I'm, I'm not going to say who. Um, um, <laughs> um, yeah, but mortal enemy of 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 this Ormond guy. Um, so there's a, there's a possibility that he'd set him up to it. And uh, in fact, there was once a, a, a court where Ormond's son had seen the Duke of Buckingham standing next to the king and just got really incensed um, about the fact that he was there and he lost his cool and um, went up to him and said, look, I know that you're behind Colonel Blood's attempt on my father's life, or attempts uh -huh. on my father's life. And if my, if my dad ends up dead, I'm holding you, Buckingham, accountable because I know uh -huh. that you're behind it. So even he thought okay. that that's what it was about. So anyway, so this second one, uh, Blood had been tracking uh, the movements of Lord Ormond for a few weeks, so knew that often he came back quite late at night. And he and a group of co-conspirators uh, ambushed him in around St. James one night, dragged him out of a coach, tied him to one of um, his co-conspirators, and they started riding out towards Tyburn. And the aim was that they, they, they pinned a note to his front and they were going to basically ceremonially hang him. And the note was going to sort of say why they'd done it and, and list all of his the, the crimes that he saw Lord Ormond to be, uh -huh. to be guilty of. Um, However, one of Ormond's servants wasn't taking this line down, grabbed a horse, pursued him and amazingly managed to free him and they escaped. So 
again, he has failed twice to, to, to kill yeah. Lord Ormond. Is he, is he a little bit blundering? He, well, or, or does he have other successful things? It's yeah. unclear. He's definitely got... He's got Maxie, kid. He's got Maxie. He's got the gift um, of the gab. He's also... Something. He yeah. has got the gift of the gab, which we may see a little bit later. He do, he is very charming. He's he's kissed the Blarney Stone, that's for sure. And he seems to talk himself out of quite a lot of situations. So maybe he is a bit slapdash and is just incredibly lucky and incredibly charming and just, I don't know, yeah. smooths his way out of these things. But he, he seems to... He never actually okay. gets his comeuppance. Um at all, which we'll, we'll find out, even the very last comeuppance that he should have got. Right. But anyway, yep. we'll get to that. So he decides he's going to come up with an even more, more audacious plot. And this is where the Tower of London comes in. Now, he decides he is going to steal the crown <gasps> jewels. Now, you probably had guessed where this was going, gang, given that we're talking about the Tower of London and... You know, the crown jewels are probably still in your mind from a few weeks ago from when we chatted about the coronation and all of that. But he decides he's going to steal the crown jewels. Now, bear in mind, this is 1671. The crown jewels are only 10 years old, the, the, the majority of them. So these are the ones we still see today. But most of them had been destroyed when Cromwell had uh, abolished the monarchy, apart from a couple of little bits that we've, we've spoken about, um, like the spoon and all that. Um, so they're only 10 years old. So the king has put a lot of money into getting these crowns and scepters and orbs and everything all created and they've become quite popular um since 1669 it's it was possible to go and visit the crown jewels well sort of you could go and visit the tower of london and there was a chap who was the keeper of the crown jewels a 77 year old beef eater called mm -hmm. Talbot edwards and the crown jewels are kept in the Martin Tower. Now, if you've visited the Tower of London, you've probably <laughs> missed the Martin Tower. Because <laughs> there's you've a done lot the of other good stuff to see. The, the walls. <laughs> there's a lot of other good stuff. And that Martin Tower is yeah. really interesting, but it's kind of hidden around the back. And unless you do the walk all the way around the walls of the tower, you, you don't go into it or you can miss it. Um, if you're looking at the block where the crown jewels are, which are at the very top. So you come in at the bottom of the tower, you come up the hill. At the top of the hill, there's this huge long block, which is where the crown jewels are currently. And if you go around to the right, there are some, well, currently there are um, some sculptures of monkeys made out of chicken wire, which are amazing and really beautiful. And the tower that is just behind them, a little square tower, is the Martin Tower. And that's where the jewels are being kept, just in the basement there. Um, and Talbot Edwards and his family lived above it in the, in the flat that was above it, which must have been really small because it's, it's a quite pretty pokey little tower. Anyway, yeah. the beef eaters weren't paid a huge amount. Uh, people could go into the tower and visit the animals and all of this. And what he could do is, or he started doing, was charging a little bit extra to let you go and look at the crown jewels. If you paid a little, a little bit more, you could actually pop them on. Wow. <laughs> well, for the right price, you could pop the jewels on. Uh, so, yeah, basically it was a little bit of extra income. So security in the actual tower isn't huge. It's, the, the jewels are essentially kept in a cupboard with a grill on the front. <laughs> so today, when you go into the Crown Jewels, it's vault doors. I, I remember the um, one of the wardens of the, the, the tower once telling me that he said, oh, there was this chap as he was coming into the Crown Jewels inspecting the doors, yeah. uh, going into the Crown Jewels. And, and he thought that looks a bit dodgy. I'm going to go and ask him. And he, he went and had a chat and 
uh, he said, you know, can I, you know, ask what your interest is in, in, the, in the doors? And he said, oh, I'm the governor of the Bank of England. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> because your doors are better than mine. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty good doors. Yeah. Um, but originally it was just this one grill on the front, which Talbot Edwards had a key to. And, you know, he'd just open it up and whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's not the most secure, but it's also in the Tower of London, which is incredibly secure. And so I guess they just assumed that anyone who was going to come in and try and steal them was going to break in and steal yeah. them. Not that they were going just to roll up. merrily be let in yeah. and then try and steal them. But this is where Colonel Blood sees a chink in the armour for these crown jewels. Mm -hmm. And we're going to pause for a moment here for a little break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Right, back to the podcast. So we arrive in 19... No, not 1971, <laughs> 1671. That would have made headlines. Uh, on the 9th of May. Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, the 9th of May is the date of the, uh, the robbery. But before then, Colonel Blood had been putting in a whole series of... Um, I don't know, backstops in order to make this whole plan work. Right. He popped in, in in April 1671, disguised as a vicar. Um, he visits the Crown Jewels and he gets chatting to Talbot Edwards mm -hmm. and he asks loads of interested questions and he's then nattering away and, and you know, Talbot's thinking, oh, this, this guy's really nice. And he... Um, he says, well, I might, I might pop back another day. And he does. He returns with, uh, well, a lady that he says is his uh, wife. Okay, yeah. Uh, who was a lady called Jenny Blaine. She was actually an actress, um, an Irish actress, playing his wife, but, but they weren't actually married. Um, so they go up and Talbot Edwards, you know, takes him in and shows him the jewels and, and what have you. And then as they're having a look at the jewels, uh, Jenny feigns this just terrible stomachache and she sort of gets really, you know, she's really in pain and um, has this real kind of, I guess what people would call a term. Uh -huh. Yes. Um, and so Talbot Edwards and his family take pity on her. They take her, them in, uh, the pair of them into their flat. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, let her rest. And then, you know, Talbot and, and Blood have a glass of something, or what have you. And eventually, once she feels better, um, she, she's recovered. Uh, they get up. She says, thank you. They leave. Yeah. And a couple of days later, the pair of them come back with several pairs of gloves as, as thanks. Because okay. gloves were quite, quite yeah. expensive. You know, really nice made gloves. And we've, I think we've spoken in the past about um, Charles I giving gloves as gifts quite regularly, actually, mm. as well. Um, the one on our executions that we did. Anyway, so he bring, they brings back this gift and they essentially start becoming really mm. good friends. They keep visiting quite regularly. They have dinner together. They strike up quite a nice little friendship. And on one of these occasions, when they're having a good old natter and probably over dinner and a glass of wine or something, Talbot Edwards mentions his daughter, Elizabeth, who is unmarried. And he sort of says, you know, I'd quite like to marry her off and all this yeah. sort of stuff. Well, Blood goes, well, you know what? I've got a nephew oh. um, who's unmarried and I reckon that might be quite, oh. a, quite a nice little match and wouldn't Ooh. it be lovely if we were in-laws and all that sort of stuff? And he sweets the deal by saying that his nephew owns a, a chunk, good chunk of land in Ireland. So, you yeah. know, Edward's trusted by this point. They're buddies, thinks he's a vicar. They're always trustworthy, yeah. right? Um, and by this point, 
you know, Edwards is like, yeah, this is, this is great. And he gives him a tour of the whole tower, very handy for mm -hmm. reconnaissance, uh, and all this sort of thing. So they plan on the 9th of May that they're going to get the nephew and Elizabeth together for a meeting. Yeah. You know, nice little chit-chat and whatever. And at 7am, Colonel Blood arrives with his Eager. nephew. 7am. Yeah, all right. Just <laughs> on the doors. Yeah. Let me in, let me in. Um, and also, he brings two companions with him. Now, I've read differing accounts of who these people are. Possibly a brother-in-law, possibly just general assorted criminals. Not quite right. sure. Um, and when they get there, um, they set the nephew and Elizabeth to, to chatting and, and uh, Blood says, hey, can you you show my buddies the, the crown jewels yeah. that'd be really good and so he persuades Torbert Edwards to do that now uh, the nephew and Elizabeth are, are talking outside and this is actually because the nephew is oh, nephew oh, yeah. I say in nephew. inverted commas yeah. is actually what I believe is uh, I think he's actually Blood's son ah, his own son okay. Thomas um, but again different, slightly different accounts on that but anyway so the nephew's downstairs and essentially what he's doing is he's a right. lookout but they haven't no. told him this you know <laughs> so he's chatting away Torbert takes them down to the crown jewels he opens them up and then all of a sudden, his buddy, the, the vicar, is whacking him over the head with a mallet. Um, he's gagged, and just for good measure, he's stabbed in the Ooh. stomach. Poor, poor Tom Ooh, I didn't know that. Poor, poor guy. Ooh. Yeah, okay. really that's, not that's very good. pleasant at all. Yeah. Now, the gang removes the jewels, um, and they can't just grab them and take them out. They've got yeah. to hide them. So... Colonel Blood flattens the crown. Now, this is the St. Edward's crown that we talked about for the coronation. That big, this is the same, gold same, same one. With all the, exactly. Yeah, all the bling, all the bling and, the and all that. Hours. So he flattens that with yeah. the mallet. Um, he's, one of his com compatriots uh, saws the scepter in half because it's, it's quite big, so he ch yeah. chops that in half. And the other one puts the orb down his trousers. Now, uh, this is a brilliant bit. And this is one of the things <laughs> I remember from when you did the, the, this stuff at the Tower of London is the, the crown jewels slash yeah, crown yeah. jewels. Uh, reference. So yeah, we're talking one lot. Of Someone d delightfully not long ago, a client went, "Oh, with the other orbs." <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, there's a sort of crown jewels meet crown jewels type type affair going on there. Yeah. Now, this is where the huge amount of coincidence comes in. Talbot has a son who apparently goes by the name, fantastic name of Wive. 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 W-Y-T-H-E. Oh. If any actually, Emily, your next baby, Wive, please. <laughs> I want I want that as a name, okay? Should have got in a couple of weeks ago. We might have had a chance. Yeah. She's gone um, with Charlie. No, Wythe, much better. Charlie. So anyway. <laughs> Do you that? Did I tell you? Oh yes, you know, you did say that. You did, because you said it's not coronation related. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but Wythe, I mean I think that's 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 a missed opportunity Wyth. right there. Anyway. So Wythe has been away for about ten years as a soldier and complete coincidence is coming home. Although there's a you know, it's possible that he was coming home because he knew his sister was about to get married and maybe all uh -huh. of that. But anyway. He comes into the tower, crosses the tower, and what supposedly happens is that that uh, well, again, slight you know, accounts vary slightly as to whether he went into the the, um, the house and saw what was happening or whether Talbot came to, because he'd been coshed over the head, um, and started screaming, treason, murder! Um, but either way, Wythe figures out what's going on. Elizabeth realises what's happened. She starts shouting treason. The crown is stolen. Yeah. And um, the so the gang leg it, the four of them, hot-foot it out. And what they do is they cross over the tower, they skirt around um, the, the the bottom so if you're looking at from the bottom of the tower up towards the white tower, they skirt around the bottom right hand corner mm -hmm. they go across where the ravens are today yep. and they leg it out underneath the um, the archway underneath the bloody tower. Yep. 
Now, they get onto the Tower Wharf where they have another accomplice who's holding their horses, ready to, you know, jump on a leg it. Uh -huh. And as they reach the horses, they are caught. Whew. Now, the beauty of this is that they are imprisoned in the Tower of London itself while they await their trial. Excellent. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Yes. And this is considered treason. And we know what happens to traitors, so the future is not the bright are high, for these guys. Aren't they? The stakes are incredibly high. Um, the crown jewels are recovered and re -juged. I don't even know whether... Yes. <laughs> just have, have all the dents knocked out yeah. like it's some kind of car. Um, I don't know if there's a join on the scepter that you can see. I've never seen one. I've I don't know. I think I, I think I thought he was trying to break it, but he didn't actually... Maybe. But I don't know. Maybe sort of break and bend I, or something. But anyway, I just get distracted by the image of the guy with the orb down his trousers trying to run. That's my favourite. Yes. I remember seeing you do that, that yeah. wobbly run before. Very entertaining. Yeah. Guys, do a tour of the Tower of London with Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> Very entertaining. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, it's, not, it's not a good... Not a good outcome expected. No. And they start interrogating them and Blood basically says, look, I am not speaking to anyone at all except for the king which by this time is Charles II. And rather impressively for somebody who is, well, not exactly a nobody, but not an aristocrat or anything like that, he is granted a private audience at Whitehall. Yeah. Now, this, this already it, sounds... It's where it starts to bit. go weird, this story. Yeah, it gets really weird yeah. here. And nobody knows what went on in that room. There are no record, reports. There are no um, someone coming out later going, I was there and this is what happened. All we know is that when he comes out of that room, and we'll go into some theories about this in a bit, mm -hmm. um, he is given lands in Ireland and a £500 a year pension, which is a huge amount of money. And he's let off completely scot-free. No charges are brought. I don't know what happens to the co-conspirators, but I believe they're let off as well. Yeah, yeah. And now supposedly, and this might, I say supposedly because I find it very hard to believe that somebody would have been present for this and reported this, but not reported what was discussed. But somebody reported that the king asked him, what would you, what would you do if I should give you your life? So basically spare you from, oh, yeah. the, from you know, execution. And Blood supposedly replies rather cheekily, I would endeavour to des deserve it, sire. Uh, uh. Now, I sort of think if that happened and somebody knew about it, at some point, we would have had an account of what else was talked about. So, yeah. this is, I, I reckon this is embellished and, uh, you know, a sort of fanciful, that's, romantic view of this also, whole thing. I mean, like, that's the line that you think of three hours later when you're halfway home and you go, oh, that, yeah. that, that's what I should have said. Oh, that was the. Esprit de Scalier. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, so, this is, this is quite a big deal and it's it's quite shocking to the court and i wonder yeah. if you can guess who is particularly furious about this is it by any chance well okay i can think of two people uh, <laughs> i was going to go for the other one first but actually i'm going to change my mind and go for ormond yes yeah. absolutely he must be livid spitting whatever. absolutely yeah. livid yeah and to really rub salt in the wound for ormond um Colonel Blood kind of becomes a familiar person around London and goes to court regularly. So it's not even that Charles goes, you know, I'll let you off if you naff off to Ireland and never come back yeah. again. He sort of goes, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'll just hang around and be at my court and have money and land and influence and all oh. that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, we'll come to the theories in a second, but I just want to deal with the end of, of, of Blood's 
well, I was going to say tenure as being blood, but just life, really. <laughs> um, well, firstly, Ed, Talbot Edwards. El Edwards does recover from his wounds yep. and uh, lives on... I mean, he was 77 when he was attacked. Lives on for a, you know, a pretty decent age as well. And it seems to become part of his shtick when he now, you know... Of course, like, of course it would. out on it, really. Yes. Recounting this vicious attack on him and the attempt on the jewels and all of this. It becomes part of I, his... Uh, you know, I now love... Maybe Talbot Edwards spent his time demonstrating that rubbish run that you do when you have it oh, wouldn't yeah. that be brilliant that would be amazing and then 400 years later Fiona's back to have another yeah. go <laughs> I, I'm not the only one I'm... mind you I've never seen anyone no, else I... doing it no, I think you are the only one <laughs> although I might start yeah because yeah. it's fun and do you know what you don't even have to be telling the story about Colonel Blood just pop it in anywhere just pop it in people think you've pooed yourself but don't worry about yeah. that you know <laughs> these are the ravens <laughs> I'm stamping my feet to make that a good podcast effect. I don't know if you'd be able that to... That was not a good podcast effect. No, <laughs> at all. But never mind. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway. Uh, Colonel Blood, he... Um, so he toddles along um, until 1679. So only okay. uh, eight years or so after um, after this has happened. But like I say, he's had a... a he's, you know, been at court and all this sort of thing. And it does seem like he keeps... Uh, keeps his hand in with a few kind of dodgy oh. dealings and stuff, but again, never gets caught for it. But I mentioned earlier that his very last one, he doesn't even get um, sort of his his comeuppance, if you like. He fell out quite significantly with George Villiers okay. um, towards the end of his life. Now, we don't, we don't know... Well, it, so, well, Villiers basically said that he had essentially libeled him. He'd been chatting about uh, personality defects and all this sort of stuff and saying what a nasty guy he was. Now, I don't know whether this was enough to fuel their fallout or whether there was more, but um, he sued him for £10,000. Right. And it went to court and Blood was convicted um, of this and bailed and told that he had to pay up. And Buckingham never got the money because Blood died a couple of months uh, later. OK. But it doesn't end okay. here. Because such was his reputation as a trickster and a turncoat and generally a guy that you shouldn't trust, later his body was exhumed <gasps> to check. for confirmation that he died because it was suspected that he's, he'd faked yeah. his own death to avoid his debt to yeah. Buckingham, which is quite the legacy, I think yeah. you'd uh, agree. But yeah, that, that makes perfect sense that he might do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hilarious. So we come to... Why did King Charles let him off? And the honest answer is, we don't mm -hmm. know. But there are a few theories. Um, I do, do you have a, a favourite theory about this? I think, well, I think there's two sort of main possibilities, I would say. Uh, basically, either kind of recruiting him or blood knows something. And that's that seems mm. to be one that, that most often groups and people will think about that go, oh he must have known something he's got, he's some, got dirt some on the dirt king kind of thing on charles that mm. seems yeah and and there are there are even more theories than that so one of them is very simply that he was so buddy buddy with with george villiers um who was the arch enemy of of the king so it was possible now we know that that blood is a, a turncoat and a, a double agent and all sorts of stuff and it was possible that he was spying for Charles yeah. II um, and traded information for his freedom or just the very simple fact that he was a spy and Charles had gone, eh, it's fine, I'm, you know, this is your payoff yeah. kind of thing. There's another theory, which is that the king had staged the entire thing. Now, he, he was the merry monarch. He was quite yeah. lavish in his tastes at court and, and all sorts of stuff. So he spent money quite prolifically and he just shelled out a lot of money for these crown jewels and he needed money. 
So there's a theory that he, if he staged a theft and had the crown jewels stolen and then sold on, yeah. that mu- he would be in the money. And of course, you know, blood would then take a, a, a cut yeah, as he did with everything. Um, but the king could get the money back. Now, what I suppose he wouldn't have had to really care about a crown for the f- for the next king because he's not going to have to worry about that. So there's a there's a theory that he was just it was an option. So and that could be then having something on the king in that theory. Yeah. We don't know. Um, there's this double agent theory coming back as well. Charles had lots of spies. This is an era where there's lots of threats from Republicans who are unhappy. The monarchy's come back from nonconformists. And so it's a theory that, you know, Charles is having him as a, as a spy. Um, Blood has also managed to amass quite a lot of followers. He's quite a figurehead by mm-hmm. this point to... Um, I mean, he's been involved in quite a lot of seditious plots. I mean, we haven't mentioned all right. of them by any stretch of the imagination. But there's a lot of plots he's involved in. And so maybe this was the way of settling down a slightly fractious public and the king feared a bit of an uprising from the followers. Uh-huh. So maybe he was like, well, if I kind of let him off, then people won't be cross with me, yeah. all that sort of thing. There's one theory which I think is utterly <sighs> hilarious and I can't imagine holds any weight at all, but there's a theory that when he was in with the king, and again, how do we know this? Because nobody seems to have been present, whatever. Um, but he said to the king that the crown jewels, instead of being worth £100,000, were only worth 6000 And the king found this so hilarious and his audacity so <laughs> hilarious that he pardoned him. Now, I think this is highly unlikely because there's a difference between pardoning someone and giving yeah. them land and money and bringing yeah. them to court. So I don't think this one holds water, but there's a lot of people that think that that is uh, a, a, a yeah. valid theory. I'm I'm with you. I think the two most legitimate ones are he's got something on the king, which which could be this this self but forming if, plot. Now I think this through. If he's got something on the king, can he not just go to the king with whatever it is and like do a bit of blackmail? Why why does he have to go after the jewels in the first place? Well, he could, but I suppose if you go for the jewels and you sell them on, that's a lot of money, isn't it? And you don't know that the king is not going to. Yeah. I suppose you go to him with blackmail and, and you're standing in the king's palace with yeah. all the soldiers around. What's he going to do? Just that's, So that's yeah. not really... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's so completely weird and it has gone down as one of those mysteries in English history that you just... <gasps> to be a fly yeah. on the wall. You just think, what was going on there? But it, there's got to yeah. be something because there's no way that he just went, <laughs> that was really funny, have a load yeah. of stuff. <laughs> no. I'm not buying no. it. No, and I, the more I think about it, the more I think the sort of recruiting. Like, he's he's a dodgy character who will work for anyone. So you yeah. want someone like that yeah. working for you instead yes. of against you. Pay top dollar. Yeah. Keep him loyal. Yeah. And yeah. then if you bring him to court as well, then he can be spying on the other people or whatever it is. You know, there's no point in having a spy who's out in the countryside somewhere not seeing anyone you've got to have them doing something useful exactly. so nice and close yeah right by your side and then when you say you know you sort of say oh, i need some stuff on that and he goes well, mm-hmm. you go, mm, that land i've got you and you've got a 5500 pounds a year coming from me so yeah you know and actually that's messed that up and that goes away that, pretty quickly like the land thing is like if you you give someone annuity you can stop giving it to them at any time but they've still already had it yeah. for the previous years. If you give someone land, they can maybe yeah. live off it or whatever, but you've also got the threat at any moment you can you can grab it back, can't you? And mm. go, well, that's it. Yeah. So it's it's a sort of... It's a very yeah. clever, very clever kind of bribe. Well, I'm, I'm assuming bribe um, is what I'm going for. Yeah. So, yeah. So there we go. Now, one of my favourite uh, references to this 
is in, I mean, there's a couple of movies made about it. There was one made in the 30s, I think, um, about it. But my favourite one is Muppets Most Wanted. Whee! Which everybody, stop what you're doing, which is hopefully listening to this and, I don't know, housework maybe, or walking. Yeah. Go and watch Muppets Most Wanted. It's not the exact story, but, to, but <laughs> Colonel Blood does pop up. Uh, and in fact, the, the story basically is, um, I love Kermit it, I was Blood. just watching. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, it's his no, okay. uh, evil alter ego, Constantine. <gasps> oh. um, and uh, a villain called Dominic Bad Guy. <laughs> choosing the name there. Yeah. Um, decide they're going to finish what Colonel Blood started and they go and research Blood's methods. I think uh, Colonel Blood, um, from memory, pops up as a skull. And right. they sort of they go around bits of Europe trying to find clues that blood has left, and then they and they did actually film at the Tower of London. Yeah, um, they film. Uh, so I've, I've been watching clips of it just to kind of remind myself what a brilliant film it is. And it's not the best Muppets film, I'm I agree, but it is still very entertaining. Um, but yeah, they do film quite a lot in the Tower of London. Although the scene where Miss Piggy nearly marries Constantine, evil pig, um, is filmed in St Bart's the Great, oh. not in the chapel in the Tower of London. Okay. Um, that's that's the the only one in London that looks alike, isn't it? Kind of, it's yeah. Just, it's the other one of the that looks era. older and and, so and more in keeping, yeah. 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 Otherwise, people go that that's the church because it's a much more modern version. But anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, go and watch the Muppets Most Wanted, and uh, and that. Now we're not going to do show notes this week, just very simply because there are not many supporting pictures. There's one, pretty much one image of Colonel Blood, which we'll put on the social media. All the other weeks have got show notes which we link in the notes so we don't always mention it but they're always there so go and have a little look but i'm not i'm not going to do anything this week just because there's nothing really to show um but there will be an instagram post if you want to see mm-hmm. what colonel blood looked like huge thumb not included sadly um, couldn't find any pictures of the enormous thumb yeah we could draw one i want to know how big it was yeah we draw, draw a massive thumb on the front <laughs> yeah <laughs> But there we go. That is the story of Colonel Blood and the attempt yes. to steal the crown jewels. At the and that, that is the, the closest anyone has got, isn't it, to stealing yes. them? So yes, absolutely. So the stakes are high. The, the, the bar has been... I'm, no, I'm not trying to encourage people to try again. That's If you do try, good luck, and I want one of the diamonds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's it. I I'll, think that's, that's, a, that's payoff for yes. all the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the more least, episodes you've listened least. to, the larger the diamond I want. <laughs> <laughs> I could have, like, one of those little slithers of, you know, um, the ones that, not not like the ones that are granny's chips, but like, the diamond, the, the, like the little diamond yeah, chips or whatever. Yeah, in them. yeah, you know, if I've only done whatever We'll throw you is. a ruby or two, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So there we go. So that's that's Colonel Blood and the story. And I know that you know you talk about him a lot at the uh, at the tower. So there's a little bit more grist for the mill. Yeah, there. that's good. Good, all good stuff yeah. to know. There but is just... sometimes a danger that when you find out more about a story, you then realise that the the story you've been telling is not entirely accurate, and that's always well, horribly disappointing. But do you know what? This it is. is but... This is fine. This is. And, but again, I mean, uh, a lot of the different sources that I've read have differing accounts. Like yeah. I said, you know, why in some accounts goes into the tower, in some accounts Talbot wakes up and shouts and then why there's coming across an attack. I mean, it's, 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 I think with something like this where it's not a royal occasion where there are myriad people noting down every fart and every whisper and whatever, it's a lot of... Then this happened. Then this happened, and, and people yeah. will see things different differently. So it, it is tricky to get an exact, an exact sort of science about it. But yeah, yeah, no, that nothing in there has contradicted anything I say. 
Um, so there we go. Well, thank you very so much. That is the dangerously insinuating Colonel Blood. Oh, yeah. Isn't it great? Um, no. No? No. I, 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 there, was, there was something that was a... It was a thought forming. It was forming. a thought forming, but it, it evaporated before it could form. And I thought, <laughs> that feels relatable. <laughs> this is going to be a big, long podcast pause, which is, again, not good. It's not, it's not a... She's learning, gang. She's learning. I love it. <laughs> So um, any uh, parish notices or anything before we go? I don't think so. No? No. Any, any of your tours coming up? Um, they're, no, they're mostly private. Well, oh, next, next Wednesday afternoon I'm Ooh, doing... Podcast day, gang. Um, old London. Lovely. So, yes, when I mean... So when the I city say of, that, is that City of London? That's the City of London, yes. And it's just yeah. nice little alleyways and churches and... Lovely, general lovely. So that's stuff. Wednesday the the what of it's June? It's the Wednesday today, the seventh of oh, June. Oh, this today, oh the seventh of June. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, so if you're well, at what time? Two fifteen at St Paul's by the tube. Tube exit. All right. So of, everyone's uh, probably missed it by now, but still, there we go. Yes. But that it, that is one that pop um, pops up again. That's one of my regulars. So it's again on the twenty eighth of June. So that's lots Huzzah. of morning ready for the uh, the two fifteen twenty eighth of June. Yeah. Be there or be square. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that's it for this week, gang. Yes. Thank you very much. Have a lovely for week. Joining us. My pleasure. Um, have a great week. Enjoy the sunshine if it's sunny with you. And then if it's not sunny with you, then enjoy, enjoy the, the grey. Whatever it is. The grey, the, the snow, the rain, yeah. whatever. <laughs> have a lovely week, everyone. Okay. Bye bye. See you next week. Bye. bye.